Good morning. All right, now you can hear me in the back. Hey, does it seem like luck just seems to follow some people? Oh, look at these examples of, of, of luck, of good luck. Three Pop-Tarts in the pouch. Are you kidding me? And then this, drops the keys over the grate and look how it lands. And that extra large marshmallow in your Lucky Charms. Oh my gosh, how about this? How about this, save the phone. And dots, and they're all red. Of course, if you hate red dots, that's not such good luck. And how about this for good luck? <laughs> Is that the last one? Yeah. Well, what if you could guarantee that luck would follow you every day of your life? Well, even, even better than luck, which I don't believe in, by the way. What if you could guarantee that blessing would follow you every day of your life? Now, I can't guarantee that you will always get extra large marshmallows in your Lucky Charms nor a third Pop-Tart in your pouch, but I can guarantee that it is possible for you to live a life that is blessed by God. So welcome to week one of our 40 days, and this series is going to be called The Blessed Life. That's what we're going to be studying in our groups, and I hope you get, did get signed up, for group, signed up for groups. It's not too late. Uh, at the end of the service out there in the foyer, you can sign up for a group. You know, God's people are promised blessing upon their lives, and that is from one cover of the Bible all the way to the other. For instance, look at Deuteronomy 28, and God says this, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you heed the voice of the Lord your God. Circle that word overtake. Man, I love this image of God's blessing overtaking us. This is actually a military term. And it means to chase down an army in order to capture and overwhelm it. God desires to bless you. He desires to bless you so much, he will chase you down to overwhelm you with his blessing. Isn't that cool? Is it cool? Yeah, I thought so. Now, just a real quick question. Is that how you've seen God in the past? That he wants to bless you so much that he'll chase you down to give you blessing? Uh, verse 3 Blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the field, blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of the ground, the fruit of your beasts, the increase of your cattle, the young of your flock. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Read the New Living Translation of that last part out loud with me. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. What do you think the point is that God is trying to get across here? What does what God want to do for you? He wants to, to bless you. Now, how many of you all want to experience that kind of life that we just read about? Yeah, I do. And that's what we're going to be talking about during this series. Now, look at Romans 10, 12, and read it out loud with me. The Lord is the same Lord of all. He richly, everyone who trusts in him. Now, circle the word blessed there. We're going to talk about this word. It's the Greek word makarios. Say that, makarios. Try it again, makarios. It's often translated in the English as happy, but actually happy doesn't really quite capture the meaning of this word. It's too small a word because this is descri describing a happiness that is intense and it is great. It is deep and it is lasting. It's a happiness that's so great that when others see a person that happy, it creates envy in them. I can think of a time a few years back that uh, we took a group of men to a Promise Keepers conference in Dallas. And uh, 
man, it was, it was amazing. We experienced the presence and the love of God as we worshiped him with 35,000 other men. And then among the men in that stadium, hey, there were Denver Bronco fans, there were Minnesota Viking fans, 49ers, Steelers, Raiders, even New England Patriot fans. But we had one powerful thing in common that united us. As we were all singing the song, we are standing on holy ground at the 50-yard line of Dallas Cowboy Stadium. <laughs> and I never let those guys live that down. <laughs> so listen, on our way back home, we stopped at a restaurant along the way. And uh, we were so filled with joy and laughter, you know, obviously that we were having a good time. And waitress comes over and says, wow, you guys are a happy bunch. Whatever it is that you're on, I want some. And so one of our guys had a tract in his pocket. And he reached around, he grabbed that tract, and he says, hold out your hand. And she did, and he stuck the gospel tract in her hand. And he says, what we're on is Jesus and you can have the same kind of joy and happiness that we found. And that will tell you how you can find that. And so she said thank you, and she took it. She promised to read it. Needless to say, we give her a big tip for a bribe. <laughs> said if you ask Jesus into your heart, there's more where that came from. She saw a bit of that makarios in us, okay? A, a joy and a happiness that she envied and that she wanted for herself. Which brings us to this. Makarios is a joy and a happiness that can only be given to us by God. It comes from God. Now, makarios, to be blessed, means this. It's in your outline. It means to experience the goodness, love, and favor of God in a way that produces in us great joy and happiness. Did you get that? Let me say it again. It means to be blessed. To be blessed is to experience the goodness, love, and favor of God that produces in us great joy and happiness. Now, I want you to read that with me. Let's read it together. To be blessed is to experience the goodness, love, and favor of God that produces in us great joy and happiness. Now, many of God's blessings are unconditional, meaning even unbelievers experience the blessing of God. For instance, Jesus talked about this in Matthew 5.45. He says, be children of your Father in heaven. Read the last part out loud with me. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. So God is good all the time, even to the unrighteous, even to the unbeliever. They experience his blessing even though they don't acknowledge that it's from him. But there are other blessings that are conditional. They are only for those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and are sons and daughters of God because of that. And even some of those blessings are conditional, meaning we have a part to play in receiving those blessings from God. Look at Hebrews 11.6. It says, without faith, it isn't possible to please God. Those who come to God must believe that he exists, and they must believe that he rewards, we could say, blesses 
those who look to him. So it's faith that opens our arms to receive the blessings that God wants to pour out upon us. Get it? Good. So let's look for the rest of the, the message here. Let's look at the purpose of blessing. Why does God desire to bless you? Well, number one, God blesses us to bless us. That's profound, isn't it? That was worth coming to church for right there. But you know, actually, some people don't believe that. They have trouble believing that God really just wants to bless us to bless us. A lot of people kind of feel that God's this cosmic killjoy who doesn't want us to enjoy life in the here and now. I mean, we have eternity to enjoy life, right? In heaven. But this life is meant to be a struggle for us. You know, when I was a kid, um, my, my family were at church one Sunday. Service is over. The building's starting to empty out. But my mother, who was quite a talker, was talking to another woman in the church. And, and my brother and I got pretty antsy. And so we started kind of just playing with each other and making some faces. And then he made a face, and we both kind of laughed out loud. And my mom, bless her heart, she turns to us and she says, You stop that right now. This is God's house. You're not supposed to laugh and have fun in God's house. <laughs> and my brother and I, we kind of look at each other. We didn't say a word, but I, we knew what we were thinking the same thing. What is wrong with God? Why doesn't he want us to laugh and have fun in his house? Good news. It's okay to laugh. And it's okay to have fun here because it's God's house. And God is not only cool with it, he encourages it. Yeah. So on the count of three, everybody fake laugh. One, two, three. <laughs> okay, thank you. Look at 1 Timothy 6. Have faith in God who is rich and what? Blesses us with everything we need to just survive, right? No, no, no. He says... He blesses us with everything we need to endure this life, right? No. Let's read it out loud. He blesses us with everything we need to enjoy life. Underline those words. What does God desire for us that we might what? Enjoy life. Why does he bless us so we might enjoy life? Now, we're going to be talking about money in this study, in this series. So much for enjoying life, huh? So much for enjoying church. But we're also going to be talking about giving and tithing, which are very significant in experiencing the blessings that God has for us. Now, speaking of tithing, question for you. How much did God command his people to tithe in the Old Testament? You, you're right. Some of you said 10, 10%. A tithe is literally 10%. However, God didn't tell his people to just tithe one time. He told them to tithe three times. The answer is 23 and a third percent is what God commanded them to tithe because it's three tithes. And let me explain what they are. One was to go to the care of his house, which was at first the tabernacle, and then it was the temple. And then some believe that after the temple that the tithe went to take care of the synagogues. And it also went to care for the Levites and priests who were the clergymen of the day. 
The, the second tithe, the second 10%, was to be given every three years, and that was to go to care for the needs of the poor among them. And then that third tithe, well, that was to be set aside every year. And what was it used for, that third tithe? Don't, don't blurt it out if you know, but how many of you all know what that third tithe was to be used for? Raise your hand. Okay, so those of you that don't know, let me give you a little hint. That tithe was called the festival tithe. What is a festival? It's a, it's a party, right? Yeah, it's a party. So they were commanded to set aside 10% of everything they made right off the top before they spent money on the bills, before they spent money on gassing up the oxen. They were to set aside 10% of everything they made for a huge party. A party to have fun, to enjoy life, and to celebrate the goodness of God. Look at Deuteronomy 14. God says you must set aside a tithe of your crops. One-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. Now, he goes on to say that if that designated place is too far away for them to carry, to cart their tithe that great distance, then they were to exchange their tithe, their crops, for money and take that to the designated place. And then he says what to do with that in Deuteronomy 14, 26. You may spend the money for anything your heart desires, for oxen or sheep or strong drink, I think we need some definition here. If you're Catholic or Episcopalian, strong drink would mean wine. If you're Lutheran, strong drink would probably mean beer. If you're Presbyterian, it means rum. If you're Baptist, it means grape juice. It says, you may spend money for anything your heart desires, for oxen, sheep, strong drink, or anything else you want. You shall eat there, and I love this, in the presence of the Lord your God, and rejoice, you and your household. Now, I know this might sound irreverent, but God likes to party. But we're not talking about a Woodstock kind of party here, Okay. But when God commands his people to take 10% of everything that they make and throw a big party and invite him to the party, what's it saying? He likes to party. The fact is, God finds joy in our joy. I want you to repeat this after me. God finds joy in my joy. Say it. Say it again. God finds joy in my joy. Wow, think about that. You know, to some, that alone is a revelation that will change your relationship with God and it will change your life just to know that God finds joy in your joy. Uh, number two, God blesses us to bless others. Oil was discovered on the property of a little old country church. And so a business meeting was called. I mean, what a blessing, huh? A business meeting was called 
to immediately decide what they were going to do with the income from that, from that oil. And so three motions were made, and they were passed unanimously. Motion number one, with the income from the oil, all of the debts of the church, all the debts of the church would be paid off. Motion number two, that the remainder of the income would be evenly distributed among the members of the church. Motion three, they would allow no new members to the church. You know, we're totally out of, out of balance, and we are missing it. If we believe that the only purpose of God's blessing is for us, if it's all for our enjoyment, that's only half the picture. The other half is this, that God blesses us so that we can take that and be a blessing to others. And that concept is all through Scripture. goes back to the blessing that God pronounced upon Abraham, which I'm going to simplify Genesis 12, 2, and this is from the Amplified Version. God says to Abraham, I will bless you abundantly, and you shall be a blessing, a source of great good to others. And the same is true for us. God blesses us to be a blessing, to be a source of great good to others. Get it? Good. I want you to repeat after me. God blesses me to bless others. God blesses me to be a source of great good to others. Now listen to the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 9. It says, And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may keep it all for yourself. No. No so that you may share abundantly in every good work. Now read with me what the contemporary English version, how it translates that last part. Read, read this out loud together. You will have more than enough to do all kinds of good things for others. Now, this applies to material as well as to spiritual blessings, because of all the blessings that God has poured out upon us, the most valuable blessing that he has given us is what? His son, salvation. God has entrusted you with not only the blessing of salvation, but the responsibility of salvation. You have a message that the world needs to hear. You have a Savior that the world needs. Romans 10, 13-14, it's not in your outline. Guys, were you able to get that for me? If not, I'll just read it. Yes, you did. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. So this isn't in your outline, but it'll be up here on the screen, and you just listen to me. But Paul writes this to us. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? Raise your hand if you're a someone. It's talking to us, isn't it? 
You know, when God said to his people through Zechariah, what he said to his people through Zechariah, it holds true for us as well. Zechariah 8, 13, God says this. Let's read this out loud together. I will save you that you may become a blessing. There's an old African proverb that goes like this, that worse than the sin of murder is the sin of having the source of life and refusing to share it. God saved us to bless us and to offer the blessing of salvations to others, to use our resources, to use our lives, to our words, our testimonies, the Holy Spirit working through us to offer people the gospel, to offer people Jesus. It's not just Scott and Don's responsibility. It's all of ours. Number three, God blesses us to bless others, to bless us. See, when we're faithful to bless others, then we get blessed, and we in turn use that blessing to bless others again, and then we get blessed again, and then we use that to bless others, and you see what happens. We just got this circle of blessing, which is pretty cool. How are we blessed? Glad you asked. First of all, we're blessed because we know that when we bless others, that we're blessing God. That what we do for others... God receives as an act of worship for, for himself, an act of love to, to him. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells, tells his disciples a parable. He describes a time in which people will be standing before him as king at the gates of heaven. And it says to one group there, he says this, Come you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, you cared for me. I was in prison, you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? In verse 40, the king will say, read it out loud with me. I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You know, I don't know any greater pleasure and blessing that I feel than when I am able to be a blessing to put a smile on the faces of one of my children or a smile on the face of my wife, Terry. Like when I sing to her and it puts a smile on her face. <laughs> or like the bigger smile I put on her face when I stop singing to her. <laughs> because I love her, when I have the opportunity to bless her, I'm blessed. I don't know of a greater pleasure or blessing than that. Well, I lied. There is one that's even greater than that. Blessing and putting a smile on the face of my God, on the face that already has a universe-wide smile. If you love God, and I know you do, what greater blessing could there be than knowing that you have honored and, and blessed and put a smile on the face of your God even bigger than that universe-wide smile that's already there? And when you take the blessings he has given you and you use them to bless others, remember, you're blessing your Lord too.
Another way we're blessed by blessing others is that God multiplies those same blessings back to us. There are a couple of principles here that are important. We're going to talk about these more in the future, and I want you to remember these. First, you cannot outgive God. Say that with me. You cannot outgive God. Luke 6.38 says this, Give to others and you will receive. But you will be given much more, is what the context is. It will be poured into your hands more than you can hold. You'll be given so much that it will spill into your lap. The idea here is that you will be given back much more than you gave. So if you give a handful, you will be given back two handfuls and a lapful. And he says the way that you give to others is the way that God will give back to you. So what you give makes a difference in how God and and what you receive back from God because God multiplies what you give back to him. Now, there's other blessings that we give besides money, but let's just talk about money. For example, if God were to multiply back to you 10 times of what you give to others, well, 10 times $10 is what? $100. So, yeah, you get $90 more. But 10 times, if you were to give $100, 10 times $100 is what? $1,000. So you get $990 more. What if you give $1,000? 10 times that is what? $10,000. You get the idea? God promises to multiply up to 100 times what we give. Now, the second principle is kind of similar to the first. It's this. The more God can get blessings through you, the more he will get blessings to you. Catch that? I want you to say that with me. The more God can get blessings through you, the more God will get blessings to you. See, when God finds a person that's willing to be a conduit of blessing rather than a reservoir, He will pour blessing upon blessing and resource after resource upon that person. I love the story in Scripture of the widow that the prophet Elijah asked to give him water and bread. And this was during a time of famine, and she she informed Elijah that she only had enough for one more meal for her and her son, and that was to be the last meal, and they expected to die after that. And this is what Elijah tells her. In 1 Kings 17, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Circle the word first. That's important. Not going to discuss that too much today. We'll talk about that in the future, but make it for me first. And then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough food and olive oil left at the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah, because she was a conduit of blessing. Right down to her last blessing, she was still willing to bless others with it. God's provision for her, his blessing, was never-ending. And God can and will do the same for anyone who will do the same, including you and me. R.G. Letourneau was one of the richest men uh, of his day and in his lifetime. He was also a very devout Christian. 
And when he started his business, he was diligent to give 10% of everything he made to the Lord. Well, he continued to up that percentage until he was giving 90% of his income to the Lord and living off 10%. And despite how much he gave, or when you hear him talk, because of how much he gave, he continued to get more and more wealthy. And when he was asked how that was possible, he explained it like this. He said, as I shovel out the blessings that God has given me to others, God shovels them right back at me, but his shovel is way bigger than mine. I like that. So finally, when we bless others, we experience the great joy of knowing that our lives are making a difference. We're living a life of significance. We're helping to continue the mission of Jesus, the mission that he began to bring the future kingdom of heaven to the present upon this earth. Think of this. Every time we bless others in the name of Jesus, we are making the blessings of the hereafter real in the here and now which we do when we address the problems that are in the world that are not the will of God. Poverty, sickness, injustice, spiritual darkness, when we address those with the resources and the spiritual authority that God has blessed us with, when we feed the hungry, when we clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, comfort those who mourn, when we speak life, healing, and hope over the sick, become a family to the lonely, Build up those who are torn down. Help set captives free from addiction, from guilt, from shame. Even help set captives free from literal slavery. And when we help bring the lost home to Jesus. Well, let's wrap it up. I have news for you. You're going to die. And when you do, there's going to be a tombstone or an obituary. And your entire life is going to be represented like this. Your entire life, between the time you're born and the time you die, is going to be represented by a dash. What will you do in the dash you know, you're, if you can put that back up, your life can make no bigger impact than the size of that dash. Nothing to remain. Or your life and what you do in that dash can far outlive your life. And you can actually make an eternal impact with your life. And the difference, whether you're dash is small or whether your dash has an influence that's huge depends on how you receive the blessings of God and then how you offer those blessings to others. 2 Corinthians 9 9 says this as it is written he the benevolent person scatters abroad he gives to the poor his deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and what? endure forever and that's what a blessed life looks like let's pray
as we talk about the blessed life, again, it really begins with having a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Yes, we all experience blessings, but there are blessings that are reserved for those that are His sons and daughters, just as there are blessings that you give to your sons and daughters. But there are blessings that are reserved for those that are sons and daughters of God because they've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you're here and you're not sure whether you have begun that relationship with God by placing your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to pray it out loud, and I want you to pray it out loud as well. And I want everybody to pray it out loud. If you've already done this, this is just a uh, reaffirmation of your faith. But if you'd like to give your life to Christ this morning, then pray this out loud after me if it expresses your heart's desire. If you'd like to give your heart and life to Jesus this morning. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I admit to you that I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your power in my life that I might live the life that you created me for. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe Jesus came to this earth as a man. I believe Jesus suffered and died on the cross where he took the penalty for my sins upon himself. I believe Jesus rose from the dead and is alive today. Jesus, I open the door of my heart to you. I receive your forgiveness. Come into my heart and life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the power to live the life that you created for me. And I thank you for hearing my prayer. Well, before we look up, I just want to ask if... Uh, if there's anybody in the room, and if you prayed that for the first time or to make sure that you belong to Christ, would you just slip your hand up so I can see you? I see several hands. Is there anybody else? Rich, just raise your hand up. Yeah. And, and just again, for those of you that raised your hand, would you do me a favor? Would you open your eyes and would you make eye contact with me? I just want to be able to see where you are. So just real quickly, I just want to say to you that understand Jesus heard your prayer, and he's living in you now. His Holy Spirit is in you, and he has washed away. He's forgiven all of your sin, and you belong to him. And the Bible also says that he will never, ever leave you. You are permanently his. You are permanently his son. You are permanently his daughter, and you have a home in his heaven. And on behalf of the people here and on behalf of the angels in heaven, I want to welcome you into God's family.